16, as we look at this acrostic, in which the author here, the author of the book of Psalm, writes and writes an acrostic, each one of these sections begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Psalm 119, verse 57 through 64, under the title of one of the letters, hey, the Psalm 119, verse 57 to 64. The scriptures there in the book of Psalm read, The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. I considered my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I hastened and did not delay. To keep your commandments, the cords of the wicked have encircled me, but I have not forgotten your law. At midnight I shall rise to give thanks to you. Because of your righteous ordinances, I am a companion of all those who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. The earth is full of your loving kindness, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. This morning we are blessed to have Pastor Owen Hollingsworth with us. He uh, visits us uh, at least annually and is a blessing to me. Um, He is the pastor to senior adults at Crossroads Bible Church and has ministered there for many, many years. And he has a wonderful testimony and numerous children and grandchildren. And I know that they're an encouragement to him. Let's give him a warm welcome as he comes to open the word. Thank you, Joe. It's a real privilege to be here. It's an honor. And I look forward to each time I can come and visit with you. Uh, Joe's right. I am a a pastor to senior adults. And uh, I think all of you have to grow up a little bit more. Uh, But I'm used to seeing people uh, a a little bit older than you. But uh, that's all right. It's great to be able to really look forward to the wonderful things that God has for us day by day. I've only been in the ministry about, um, oh, about 50 years now, and uh, in the pastorate, and it's, it's been a real delight. I haven't been at Crossroads Church for 50 years, though, uh, only about 14, I think, at this point. And I have 21 grandkids, and... Um, one great-grandson, so uh, I'm still working on the great end of it. I trust you still have your Bibles open to Psalm 119. I've been fascinated with this psalm for a long time. In fact, I'm fascinated with all of the psalms. They've become a, a real treasure to me. Uh, years ago, a, a Chinese um, evangelist was speaking in Dallas, and uh, he talked to some of us at that time, and And he challenged us. He said, if you read three chapters in the Psalms every day, God will fill your heart with joy and with victory. If you read one chapter in the Proverbs every night, God will straighten your life out for you and you'll sleep in peace. And I challenged my sons at least to read the Psalms and... uh, I've often said, I think the Psalms were uh, written by a psalmist who walked the dusty paths of real life. They deal with real issues. 
Sure, it's written in poetic style, but the words are very important. And they're in an ordered fashion that is very important. And so I've enjoyed reading them. My first wife passed away after 33 years of our marriage, and uh, that was quite a shock to me. Uh, as a pastor, I had uh, dealt with a lot of folk uh, facing sorrow and, and uh, heartache. But somehow you always think it's somebody else that you're ministering to. And all of a sudden, I was the one who had a hard time really facing everything that uh, I had to. And the Psalms were very precious to me during that time. Later, God wonderfully gave me another wife, Suzanne, and has been a real blessing through the years uh, that we've been together. And uh, again, we've enjoyed going through the Psalms. One day, uh, she had cancer, we found out. And then it was very serious cancer, and they only gave her two months to live. And I remember pleading with the Lord on that one. And I thought I was going through the same thing all over again. And yet God in his majesty really moved and worked. And her health isn't really good, and that's why she can't attend with me here today. But for 14 years, she's continued on in the power of the Lord. He knows what we need, and he knows where we are. And no matter how old we are or how young we are, we have the opportunity of placing our faith in our God, and he never fails. We go through rough things. He said we would. We're living in the dusty paths of life, as the psalmist did. And yet we can walk with our God and know that he never lets us down. And he's always there. When I come to Psalm 119, I like to call this a psalm of life. Many people call this the most beautiful acrostic poem ever penned. Even some who are not connected with biblical studies speak of it in that way. How would you like to try to write a poem? And you collected a bunch of verses, but every verse had to start with a successive letter of the alphabet. Your first one would start with A in the English language, and the second one with B, and the next one with C, and you could probably do it. But would everybody say the whole thing was beautiful? It all had meaning? It all had purpose? Especially when you get to X and Y and Z. How would you fit that one together? And yet the psalmist took the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And in this psalm, he he did it with some other psalms. Psalm 34, Psalm 37. In fact, Jeremiah did it in the book of Lamentations. The whole book is a collection of chapters in acrostic style. But in this psalm, he put eight verses in each... A little sonnet. And each of these eight verses start with that letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And I, I began to read it and, and I thought, you know, 
when he starts out, it's as though he's sharing his life. He's sharing what went on in his life. And he starts out by saying, I'm looking all around and, and, and I see God's people and, and they're walking like they ought to. And they're having a good time. And they're not breaking any of God's laws and, and they're filled with the joy of the Lord. And finally, he says at the end of the first sonnet, that's in essence what I want. Look at that first sonnet. It's the first verse instead of 57, but I'll get to 57 in a minute. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless. This is a new international version I happened to pick up this morning. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. In other words, he's saying, look at all these people. They're the guys that are really happy. They're the ones that are really putting it together right. And they walk in God's ways. And they don't do anything wrong. Well, maybe he didn't see everything, but they don't do it. That which is out of line. They're doing the right things. So then he says something to the Lord in verse 4. You've laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. And finally, in verse 8, he comes to the place where he says, I'm going to obey your laws. I want this. This is what I want in my life. And I like to say in, in, in relation to us today, this is the place where a person comes when they first say, I want to accept Christ. They look around them and they see the difference that Jesus makes in lives. And they see their lives and they say, oh, I wish I could do something like that. And they open their hearts to Christ and say, I want to obey Christ. But then what happens in the next sonnet that he gives us, Baith, the second one, beginning with verse 9. I think probably a few uh, months went by. He was a new believer in the things of the Lord. He went back to the same address. He went back to the same group of people. He went back to the same family, same friends, same neighbors, with the same habits, the same patterns of life that he had before. Now, he said he was going to follow God. But how do you do it as a new believer, walking in the things of the Lord? So, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word, Lord, I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray for your commands, for I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In other words, in essence, he was memorizing. He was hiding God's word in his heart to keep his life right before the presence of the Lord. So he determined now he was going to walk with God. He was going to not only walk, but he was going to follow everything and, and keep God's word within his heart. Notice toward the end of that first or that second sonnet in verse 14. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Now, that's real, real joy. He says, just in following what God says, that thrills me as much as someone that makes a million. That's what I really want. I want to follow God's way. And then he says, I think or I meditate on your precepts. I consider your ways and I delight in what you say, your decrees. I will not neglect or forget your word. 
So he is determined he wants to walk with the Lord. Well, what comes next in a life? I said I'd been in the pastorate for about 50 years now, and and uh, it's been a fantastic time for me. But I've watched a lot of young people, they accept Christ. It takes a while, then they begin to realize, this is really what I want to do. I want to walk with the Lord. Most of them do. Some of them don't. Some of them just kind of drift along in their own way. But many of them do really catch a hold and they want to go on with the things of the Lord. But again and again, they keep running into some tests along the line. And then they come to a place where they they have to face up to it. And it's what we many times call just a real, as an act of their will, they dedicate themselves totally to the Lord. And they say, no matter what happens, I'm going to walk with you, Lord. Now, I've been through that. I've been through that. And many times the Lord has reminded me of it as, as we walk through the various issues of life. And some of them are tough. And some of them really demand just everything you've got. In essence, to control that which you know God wants in your life. And that's what brought me to verse 57, or the section called, uh, you might call it haith. It's really a harsh H, a harsh eight, like uh, a K, it's kaith. And uh, every one of these verses begins with that letter. Another thing that makes this little section unusual is that every one of these verses, eight of them, ends with a reference to the Word of God. And it's a different word in every verse. In, the, in Psalm 119, there are eight different words used to refer to the Word of God. Eight different terms for word in uh, Psalm 119. All eight of them are used in this stanza. What would it be to really come to the place where you want to commit your life to the Lord? Maybe you're a parent. You've got kids growing up all around you. And you know their lives are are just being formed so fast. And they're making choices so fast. And you want them to be the right choice. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. Let him direct your path. Come to the place where you say as an act of your will, God, this is yours. And I give it all to you. And I'm going to trust you with all my heart. And I'm going to walk in accord with your word. I want to be pleasing to you. I want your glory to be seen in my family and in my home. I told you I had six kids. Well, with Suzanne, now she had two. And so... uh, I've really got eight kids, I guess, by now. (laughs) And uh, it's just neat to see what God does in their lives. And uh, I was talking to my daughter uh, yesterday. She and her husband and one of their daughters live in Spain. They're missionaries in Spain. And on Saturdays and Sundays, so I won't go over time because i got to get back to it. Or they, they get in touch with us over the Internet. And uh, on the uh, monitor, then their faces are there, and, and we can talk back and forth uh, in that way. 
I don't know what my face looks like over it, but uh, I'm glad I don't see that. I see their face. And it's just neat. And I was talking with them yesterday. And, and it's good to hear what God's doing in their lives. And it was neat to think back over all the times that uh, they were being raised. That one girl was one that I think she always walked about a foot off the ground. She just loved to go everywhere and see everything. And she was always filled with the joy of the Lord. And she's still filled that way. I don't know whether she walks that far, but (laughs) she still enjoys the excitement of living for Christ. And so do her kids. When he gets to this 57th verse, the psalmist all of a sudden, I think, talks about his dedication to God. He opens with, in Hebrew, just two words. One is portion and the other is Yahweh, the name of the God of all the universe, the God of all glory. And so you translate it usually, uh, Lord, you are my portion or my portion, just bluntly, my portion, Yahweh, my portion, God, my portion, the Lord. And you're just saying, my only portion in all of life is my God. I belong to him and he belongs to me. For I have promised to obey your words. And that's the term for the spoken word. In essence, God, I'm ready to do whatever you tell me. I'm ready to do whatever you say. Now, that involves listening to God and setting your mind to to hear what God has to say to you. But as he dedicates his very soul and being to the Lord, he says, God, I've promised to listen to your words. I'm ready to listen to whatever you have to say. For I have sought your face with all my heart. And some of the translations, it says, I have, in, uh, I have endeavored to seek your favor, something like that. Uh, but literally, it just says, I've sought your face. You ever felt like God had turned his back on you? You ever got into a real conflict somewhere and felt somehow maybe God was looking some other direction? But the psalmist says, God, I sought your face. I wanted to come in essence face to face with you. As I brought my heart to you, I sought you with all my heart. And then he goes, now, God, be gracious to me. In other words, pour out your love to me according to your promise. And the term is, in Hebrew, is just a a term that means word. But it's the word of promise. It's, It's where he gives his word in advance. You can bank on his word because he keeps his word. That's the term used here in this verse. So in the first, in verse 57, he says, I'm listening to what you have to say and I'm going to do it. And now he says, oh, God, I'm trusting you. I've sought your face and I'm banking on your word of promise to me. I'm going to take you at your word. And then that's how he states his dedication to the Lord. But now I think in the next couplet or the next two verses, 59 and 60, 
uh, I like to say this is where he describes how he came to that. For I have considered my ways and I've turned my steps to your testimonies. Some of your versions say statutes. Uh, Whenever I use the word statutes, I've had people say to me, well, what do you mean by statutes? And little fellows in in, um, grammar school have said, you mean statue? You know, they're looking at a statue somewhere. No, 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 I don't mean that. It's really the word for testimonies or witness. Uh, what is a testimony? It's, it's an expression of something that's happened, something that's taken place. And he says, I considered the way I was walking. And then I looked at the testimony or the expression of how people that knew you were walking of what your pattern of life was going to be. And I turned my steps to go that way. I wanted to follow in your footprints. I wanted to do exactly and step exactly the way you wanted in my life. And I'm going to hurry and not delay, for I'm going to obey your commands. And so that word command is, that's a good translation. Whatever you command, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do exactly what you want in my life. Well, that should mean that everything's going to go fine, right? I had one fellow say, you know, I heard that if, if I just accept Jesus, then everything would be all right. It will be in your relationship to the Lord. But God never promised that we would be able to float on clouds through life. We're still walking on our feet. We're still walking in the paths of life. And there are rocks and there are thorns and there are all kinds of problems. And you know, tests come in life for our encouragement. Uh, One of our granddaughters is staying with us this year. She wants to be an ophthalmologist. But uh, in order to get into the grad school in Los Angeles, she... uh, She has to take uh, one year at least in uh, work in an optometry uh, office. And so she got hired in one office in downtown Bellevue. And so she stays with us this year. And it's been a real delight. But she tells us every once in a while of various tests she goes through. And the tests are to show her how much she needs to learn yet where she hasn't quite learned everything that everybody else knows about it. I'm sure it shows them how little or how much she knows. But basically the tests were to, for her benefit, that she would qualify in these different areas. And you know, as we dedicate our lives to the Lord, he allows the tests to come. And he allows the tests that we can grow in him. And we can see what it is to trust Him. And we can see that He always meets His Word in our lives. He keeps it. He does what He promises. And you know, I never have, I never learned as much about how much God loved me until I went through those awful days when my wife died. And somebody, one man once said to me, I don't see how in the world you say that. You should have said how much God doesn't love you. 
No, I learn how close he is. How he never fails. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And I learned I could talk to him all the time. Paul called it praying without ceasing. I didn't have to get down on my knees and at a certain time and a certain place and, and always pray out loud. That's all right. But I could talk to him while I was driving down the street. I could talk to him at any time and really open my heart to him. And I knew he heard and I knew he cared. And I came to know God's love like I'd never known before. And so testing comes to the psalmist. Verse 61. Though the wicked ensnare me or entangle me with ropes, I will not forget your law. And at midnight or in the middle of the night, I rise to give you thanks for your righteous judgments or your righteous decisions it's a a word that comes out of the courtroom scene where the judge makes a, a proclamation a decision but he says it's right it's the right thing it's fair it's honest and God has made a lot of righteous decisions in relation to our lives And he says, in the midst of this testing, in the middle of the night, I couldn't sleep. I got up and I started praising you, Lord, because your decisions were right. The last eight months, I've been praying for a man that really kind of (laughs) frustrated me in a sense. Because I had first met him when I called in the hospital one time and I stopped by just saw this one patient and was visiting with him and and uh, then a nurse came in and interrupted and so I went on my way next time I was by he was still there and I stopped by and talked again and and then I asked him if he if they were trusted Christ as his savior and he listened to me for a while and then he looked at me and he said I'm an atheist and I can't believe you believe in those things. He said, that's just beyond me. And uh, so we kept talking a while. And he was friendly. And uh, finally, when it, I figured it was time for me to go on, I said, well, you may not believe in God, but can I talk to him for a moment and I'll pray for you? <laughs> and he said, sure. So I prayed for him, went on my way and. I got to thinking about it, and somehow the Lord really put him on my heart. And so I had gotten his name and address, and I called him up one day, and I said, Can I come out and talk to you? And he said, Sure. I went out, spent an hour and a half walking around his yard, (laughs) talking to him last summer. And the more I talked, the more he said, I'm not interested in that. We became friends. And I stopped several times. But every time I talked to him about the Lord, he'd cut me off. And normally I would just commit it to the Lord and go talk to somebody else. But I couldn't do it with him. And I kept going back. Finally, he took his wife and they moved out for the winter. And I said to the Lord, okay, Lord. I can't lead him to you. Get somebody there to lead him to you. 
but I want to see him come to know you. And I didn't hear anything. I didn't know what was going on. But one night in the middle of the night, I couldn't sleep and I was praying for him. And suddenly I became convicted. I was telling God how to do it. I was saying, God, you got to win him to you. You got to do this. You got to get somebody out there to talk to him. You got to reach him. And then I thought, Lord, forgive me for that. You're in control. I've committed him unto you. And there's nothing I can do about it. I don't even know where he is right now. But God, you know about it. And he knows the way. He knows what's involved in knowing Jesus. I've shared that. He knows that. Now, God, I commit him to you. And I began to praise the Lord for that. And, you know, in the next couple of days, I really had this, this assurance in my own heart. I think God's reaching him. And I began to be filled with real joy. And I, and I wasn't singing out loud. I didn't want to wake up Suzanne. But I was, I was really filled with joy as I left him in the hands of God. Well, you know, when they got back, his wife met me at the church one day because they weren't in our church. They, in fact, they don't live in, in this city uh, area. But she met me at church one day with her daughter. And she said, you know, a few months ago, when they were out in another state on their trip, she said, he just changed overnight. And he became a, a, an individual that was really... Uh, open to the things of the Lord. And a neighbor came by and talked to him about Jesus one day and he said, oh, I know all about that. And she said, how do you know about that? He said, oh, Owen told me all about that and I really liked it. And I I about flipped over. I said, he never shared with me that he liked it. (laughs) She said, well, he didn't share things like that much. But somehow God got through to him. You know, shortly at that time, he passed away. He died. And I never got to talk to him again. But she said, you know, God really took care of that. In the midst of the night, whether you've got any indication that things are changing or not, Is your faith in a God who hears you and can do anything? Is your faith in a God who loves you and would never let you down? Could you in the midst of the night rise and start praising God because of his righteous judgments or decisions made in your life? Even in tests? That's what the psalmist did because he had committed his life to the Lord. He had dedicated himself to God and he was going to walk with God no matter what. And then finally he ends with the conclusion. What's the result of dedication? I am a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. That's a conception or a concept in advance given to you the concepts of life that God lays out for us 
I'm a friend. I'm in a family of believers. I'm in fellowship with everyone who loves you. You know, I walked in this morning early and sat down in your Bible study time. And uh, I don't know you folk other than seeing you once a year, so I I don't remember names that far back. But uh, I I felt like I was at home. Because it was obvious you knew the Lord, you loved his word, and I could sit and be one of you. I was a friend. I was a part of the family in the Lord. Even though I'm a stranger, in essence, to your fellowship, yet I'm not because of Jesus. And that's the blessing of walking in him. And then he says, the earth is filled with your love, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. You open this service by singing two numbers. And in each of those two numbers, I wasn't familiar with them, so I listened to you sing, looked at the words. And in each of those, you sang, the earth is full of thy glory. Remember that? The whole earth is full of of thy glory. Well, that phrase comes from Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up on his throne, Isaiah said, seraphim flying around. And they were singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, or the Lord Sabaoth, Yahweh Sabaoth, the, the God of all the hosts of the heavenlies. For the whole earth is full of thy glory. And politically, that was about the worst time of Isaiah's life. Uzziah had been a good king, but he got so proud of his position as king that he didn't didn't want to wait for the priests and he went barging on into the holy of holies and and he was smitten with leprosy because he had presumed upon the presence of the Lord. He hadn't walked in accord with God's word. But those seraphim looking down said, The whole earth is full of thy glory. One scholar once defined glory as being the sum total of an individual's personality and character. In other words, the glory of the Lord is is everything about the Lord. He is a God of light. And so the radiance of his presence is seen. He's the God of all knowledge. He's the God who is all present with us. So he's with me right now. He dwells within my heart, according to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. He dwells within my heart. In the book of Colossians, the first chapter, in all of his fullness, he dwells within me. Jesus, God, dwells within my heart. He also dwells within my wife's heart. She isn't feeling too good this morning, but he's with her. And I can trust her to his care. He's with all of our loved ones because he loves us. So the whole earth is full of the glory of this God. He's also all-powerful. But as he dedicated his life to the Lord, the conclusion that he was drawn to was the whole earth is full of your love. Or your loving kindness, I think, is a better translation for that word. 
The whole earth is full of your loving kindness. Is the God of this universe in all of his power? Is he expressing loving kindness to people who lose loved ones? Oh, yes, he is. Is he expressing loving kindness to youngsters, to teenagers, to young adults and senior adults? He loves to, to share his love. He's a God of love. And he's a God that loves you with an everlasting love. Do you love him that way? He wants you to walk with him. He delights to have you walk with him. Isn't that amazing? He wants you to walk through this life, no matter how dusty the path, as his child. Your portion is the God of glory. Walk with him. Thank you.